How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Welcome into an episode of Locked on Bees. I'm... Shoot. Um, locked on Bucks. Excuse me. Uh, this is Eric Name. That laughing you hear is Frank Madden. Uh, shout out to Eric Benning for giving me that locked on B's line. Uh, <laughs> I'm very I didn't happy. know that was coming. I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> so, did um, so actual genuine laughter. We're doing well after uh, the locked on sadness. Uh, so Beasley, he the Bucks decided to make a trade today. They traded Tyler Ennis. Third string point guard on fourth string shooting guard, third string shooting guard. I don't know. A bench guy for Michael Beasley, who is very well known. Uh, he's a 27 <laughs> year old, or is he 28 now? 27? Uh, Still 27. 27, I think, yeah. Uh, turns 28 in January, a 27 year old, small forward, most recently the MVP of the Chinese Basketball Association, and then even more recently a member of the Houston Rockets. And yeah, he's pretty much a bench guy too. So I guess what's your initial reaction, Frank? I know um, there's kind of some interesting stuff there with Woj reporting, or I shouldn't say reporting, but mentioning that he was made, the trade was made for a stopgap for Chris Middleton and Charles Gardner reporting that the move was in the works beforehand. Is there a theory you believe more? Why are we recording this podcast? Uh, <laughs> all great questions, I guess, just laid on me. Yeah, you, well, you would have lost your voice by now if you yelled emergency podcast uh, every time we have <laughs> one this week. Um, so we're going to have to really raise the bar, I think, to call something emergency podcast. It's kind of like, you know, like the threat level. I feel like after 9-11, <laughs> like the, the threat level yeah, went to yeah. orange or something or was something like that seemed really high. And it's just like after a while, you just sort of say, like, OK, well, it's just normal, <laughs> normal life. Um <laughs> So I don't know. I feel like we're on we're on threat level orange or something like that yeah, uh, at, uh, in in Bucks Nation right now with with just crazy things happening. Some good, some bad. Um, some and this one I don't know. I don't even I like this should be a short podcast because I don't even really have that much to say about the move. I'm I'm not up in arms. I know some people are like, oh my god, Michael Beasley's a cancer, and I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like he. It was interesting because, again, as people have heard me say before, my wife's a Rockets fan. She's from Houston, so I do watch a lot of Rockets games. Uh, I suffer through a lot of Rockets uh, home broadcasts, which is brutal because of Tri- Clyde Drexler and company. But um, <laughs> putting that aside for a moment, it, it was kind of interesting because I think a lot of people, when the Rockets signed Beasley, especially given the Rockets locker room last year, people were like, oh, my God, the Rockets signed Beasley. What the hell? What is Daryl Morey thinking? And I was I heard Daryl Morey talk about it a bit. And, you know, he kind of was like he w- seemed kind of annoyed. because He was like, hey, man, you know, we did our homework on this. You know, we talked to people who, you know, played with him, coached him and got, you know, positive reports on him that he's, you know, again, I mean, he's a guy that obviously there are a lot of questions about how seriously he's maybe taken the game over his career and 
you know, his dedication to things and, you know, kind of uh, obviously people wonder why he's never become anything close to, to what people projected when he was the number two overall pick in 2008. I mean, what put together one of the greatest freshman seasons in NCAA history Incredible. at Kansas State. Um, I think like 26 points and 12 boards or something like that, you know, it could do crazy. everything. Um, and so, you know, the indications in Houston were that he had kind of, you know, found a good place, I guess, um, played well in China for whatever that's worth. Uh, and then, you know, he went to Houston and scored a, ton of points off the bench 25.3 points per 36 career high 22.5 per um they weren't particularly good with him on the court (laughs) i do recall that um (laughs) but you know he's a get buckets guy for better or worse and uh, i don't know i mean clearly the bucks thought that they needed to have somebody off the bench who could get them buckets uh and they also have jason terry now on the roster who played with uh, Jet or played with uh, Beasley last year in Houston, so you know that Jason Terry had you know was had to sign off to to some extent. You know, if, I think if Jason Terry had told his friend Jason Kidd that you know Beasley was a flake and a disaster, then I don't think this deal gets made. So, you know, uh, do I expect Michael Beasley to be a revelation in Milwaukee? No. Do I expect him to tear this team apart? No. Um, He'll score points and take a lot of shots off the bench. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think my only, the, I think the reason why I'm like just sort of like, eh, whatever, is A, because it's hard to figure out, you know, in the grand scheme of where the Bucks are after the Chris Middleton injury. You know, there's sort of like a nihilistic feeling about some of these sort of smaller <laughs> peripheral moves. Like, what is this? What does this even matter? I mean, what, you know, why even bother doing something like this? Um, but uh, probably the one other thing I'd, I'd note just on the downside, and again, with the caveat that I don't really care that much one way or the other, is uh, he's, I want to say he's probably the first guy the Bucks have added this summer who really doesn't make the Bucks' young core guys better, um, unless you're going to count him, you know, being a challenge for Jabari to guard in practice or something. Uh, he's not going to compensate for Giannis or Jabari's weaknesses. Certainly not on defense. Uh, he's you know not a shooter. He has been a good corner three shooter, forty one percent in his career. But you know again, I don't think that's like the way he's going to be used. Right? He's a guy who looks for his buckets, tries to get to the poop, has a pretty good in between game. So I don't know. It's happened. Michael Beasley's a buck. And I'm just sort of waiting now. I'm I'm feeling like there might be another move to come. Not not necessarily because of this, but just I don't know. We we seem to get some hints around that today as well from the various reports. All right, you, you're kind of talking about expectations for Beasley, and I don't I don't think it'd be a, a strange lockdown box podcast without me giving you an over under, and uh, I'm I'm gonna give you two here. Oh so, god. In 2014-15, Beasley played in 24 games for the Miami Heat. In 2015-16, he played for in 20 games for the Houston Rockets. Let's get the average of those two. I'll put it at 22.5. Does Michael Beasley appear in more or less than 22.5 games as a Milwaukee Buck this season? Uh, I'd say more. Easily more? You're feeling good about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I mean... 
and he's paid so little. I mean, I didn't mention that as well. I mean, this is like, you know, in financially, this is a very low risk move. If he's, you know, a dumpster fire for one reason or another in the locker room or whatever it might be, you know, just buy him out. He's not, uh, he is guaranteed. He became guaranteed over the summer, but uh, he's he's only on a one-year deal at this point. And so, um, you know, again, uh, he actually makes slightly less than Tyler Ennis, who didn't make much money at all either. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe the Bucks sort of were thinking that Ennis might not be a guy that they'd even offer a, uh, you know, take the fourth-year option on, which they'd have to decide by the end of October. So, um, so yeah, so he's cheap. And I guess that might be the biggest risk to that number. I feel like if he's here all year, he's definitely going to play and, you know, 50 60 games uh but i do think it's interesting i mean when you look at him are you looking are you do you think this is a guy that's going to be in the nightly rotation or based on how low that number was because obviously last year a big reason why he didn't play more games is because he signed in china to start the year uh are you thinking that he's going to be a guy that is getting you know 15 to 18 minutes a night or do you think he's going to be a guy that is getting 15 minutes every second or third game. You're stealing my over-unders here, Frank. I was just about <laughs> to hit you with minutes per game, um, and I was going to set it at 19. Uh, mm. So I guess in that mold, I'll take – oh, man, I don't feel great about the over on games played. I, I just – with so little money, I don't know – how committed the Bucks are more than taking a flyer on Michael Beasley. And uh, I, I, I guess I'm going to take the over, but I don't feel great about it. And then for minutes per game, over 19, hmm, it they have minutes to fill, but, geez, are you really filling minutes with Michael Beasley? Is that really what you want to do? I'm, I'll take the under there. I think he plays under 19 minutes a game in over – 22 and a half appearances and i i just it's michael beasley uh, like the, <laughs> the bucks haven't i don't think the bucks have made this trade thinking all right we're good to go trading is done the roster is great we filled in perfectly for middleton everything's good there's no way they're thinking that there's no possible way they're thinking that. And, again, whether or not you want to give credence to the idea that this trade was in the works before is is completely not a part of this conversation because it's Michael Beasley. You're just not playing him that much in his career, even factoring in as a number two pick, as playing 81 games his first year, 78 the second year, 73 the third, and going 24, 29, and 32 in minutes. He's still only playing 24 minutes per game for his career. It just – he doesn't do that. He's not going to play a lot. Uh, so, it, like you said, it's it's hard for me to really be up in arms over this move. It, it's not the move that is going to fix everything, and I don't think the Bucks have any illusions that it is the move that's going to fix everything. Where you might want to be upset about it is the fact that it was something we discussed in the point guard uh, podcast from last week. We talked about, okay, if you don't love MCW and you're not sure you want him to come back, then you probably need to get Tyler Ennis some minutes. Well, it appears that maybe they're okay with MCW and they don't love Tyler Ennis so much. I think this move probably speaks more to their feelings on Tyler Ennis than anything else just because 
if you didn't think he was going to get minutes, even with now, with Middleton getting hurt and him moving up to third and third in the backup rotations uh, at point guard and shooting guard, you still didn't think he was going to get minutes or worthy of minutes? I think that says quite a bit of Tyler about Tyler Ennis. And, again, I, I can understand Bucks fans being upset that, all right, you gave away this young point guard who, if at the end of the season it's not working out with MCW and I, you want to go in a different direction and Ennis may be one of those cheap options that you could go with, I get your frustration, but at the same time, it's Tyler Ennis. Just like it's Michael Beasley, it's Tyler Ennis. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone passionate about Tyler Ennis and his future as an NBA point guard. And and if you are, please let me know in the comments. Please let me know on Twitter because I would love some visual proof of that because I don't believe you. I, I've, well, ne- I've never, never seen someone say, you know what, Tyler Ennis, that's the answer. He's going to be the point guard in the future. Maybe maybe in that 5-10 to ten game stretch after the All-Star break, you might have said, you know what, he could stay out of Giannis's way just fine. That might be the extent to which you like Tyler Ennis. So it, it's just hard for me to truly believe that this is a move I need to be up in arms about, about the Bucks not really managing their future well, whatever it may be. Again, I know those concerns are there, but over Tyler Ennis, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not willing to go there. Well, the guy we you didn't mention, and I think we didn't mention by I, I want to say we didn't mention him by name at all in our post Chris Middleton uh, injury podcast, um, which I'm calling Middleton and the Infinite Sadness. Uh, shout out to shout out to mid '90s Smashing Pumpkins albums. Um, is well, who who haven't we not talked about? Ironically, I, I remember early in the summer, I think we had like a bunch of conversations about backup guards, and I didn't mention Tyler Ennis at all. Uh, and then I had to apologize because he was the forgotten guard. Um, but a guy that we talked about a lot then that you didn't mention just now, and that I don't think we mentioned at all. I, it's a vote of confidence of, for him. It's a vote of confidence for him. <clears throat> so who am I talking about? Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. So. I think Brogdon going to summer league and never turning the ball over and looking very useful as a ball handler, you know, capable. Yep. I, th- I think that made the Bucks because I mean, you knew that he could play off the ball a fair bit and that he's a smart guy and a good defender and versatile from his college stuff. Um, and then at, at, in, in Vegas, you got to see him do it with the ball in his hands more. So I, I think, you know, and again, you know, small sample doesn't tell us that he's going to be a, a good uh, NBA point guard or shooting guard necessarily, but you know, relative to what we've seen from Tyler Ennis as well, um, I think that probably you know galvanized the Bucks a bit and made them feel like, eh, you know what, um, we can we can live without Tyler Ennis. Um, I wa- so I honestly 100% agree, and that was one of the first thing. I guess the first two things I thought of were, man, that's a lot of faith to put in a rookie. And, I mean, that's kind of been my MO with Brogdon for a while now, whether it's you talking to me or other people talking to me, that, okay, that's fine, but he still is a rookie, and rookies are still pretty bad. Uh, So that's interesting. And then the other thing was we mentioned it and the fact that the Bucks are kind of capped out and not going to have a lot of room and maybe bird bird rights mean something and the ability to sign your own guys – Maybe this is a bit of a vote of confidence for Michael Carter-Williams as well. Like, this might be saying, 
okay, we trust you whether or not you're the starter, whether or not you're coming off the bench. We think you're a part of that future, and it's going to be you and Delavadova for years to come at the nominal point guard spot or nominal point guard and backup point guard spot. Um, those were the those were the two things I really thought of when this move occurred. Well, I'm a long ways from feeling like that about MCW, but um, I, hey, I didn't the, say they're, I they're, feel they, like that. Yeah, I know, I know, and and but and I would agree. I mean, it it did seem like the rhetoric around MCW uh softened as the summer went on and the bucks seemed to try to in a way they didn't necessarily do with greg monroe seemed to kind of talk up the idea of uh mcw being a you know key piece for them or a guy that they you know wanted to 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 make the most of um so we'll be interesting to see um and and i think the you mentioned early you know the the idea that somewhat conflicting information about Beasley being a stopgap for Middleton versus a guy that they were looking at anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue it's uh, they could both be right in the sense that Beasley is not a shooting guard. You know, he's six nine, six ten. He's really more of a four at this point. Um, can probably play some three. You know, um, but is a guy that I think. Uh, indirectly will soak up some of the Middleton minutes just because as we said, you know, if, if Giannis plays any minutes at shooting guard, which is possible, right? I imagine, I think, it would, you know, I think he did basically didn't play at all there last year, but yeah. certainly this year could happen. You know, we, a lot of people probably remember that, that Larry drew did play him a fair bit at shooting guard might've been his most common position as a rookie. I think yeah, he sort of was. was a nominal starter at, at shooting guard. Um, which I don't think is you know his best use. We we made the case a couple weeks ago why you know putting Giannis on on bigger players, leaving him closer to the basket is probably a good thing. Um, but again, you know, desperate times, desperate measures, and um, we'll see. So if that happens, then certainly there will be more minutes uh, at the in the front court spots. And you know, when healthy, it's kind of I, I view it kind of like well, you know, do you really need much of of Beasley? I don't know. Um, depends really how much you're actually using Giannis at the two. Um, and again, I know he's nominally also the point guard on offense, but I'm just saying defensively. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, certainly in that sense, you can say he, he replaces Middleton indirectly a little bit. Um, you know, the thing that I don't, the other thing I don't like, aside from the fact that I don't think, you know, he doesn't make Jabari and Giannis better is if we were hoping that Thon maker might, be a guy that squeezes more power forward minutes yeah. because of the same dynamic, then you would obviously look at Beasley as a guy who might, you know, be directly session, directly taking some potential power forward minutes from Thon Maker, which, uh, you know, is, isn't going to hurt the Bucks win loss, uh, this year, probably unless Thon is much better defensively than, than I, you know, than a normal rookie is. But, um, certainly from a, if this is going to be a, you know, something of a lost, or a losing season that you know where you're not really going to be in the playoff race. Um, you know, do I want to see Michael Beasley getting minutes as an expiring contract over Thon Maker? No, <laughs> I, I mean I don't. Do you think it would happen though? Me. Like after the first 20 games, if Maker gets his feet wet, feels comfortable, performs not even necessarily well, but performs comfortably, do you think Beasley still gets his minutes? Because I don't. I think Beasley immediately fades off into the sunset. If Thon can take some of his minutes, sorry, Bees. 
that's possible. I mean, I think uh, Beasley, because he's so dirt cheap, uh, you know, could be a guy that that by the deadline even could you know become a guy if, if the Bucks feel like okay, we you know we're going in a different direction here. The season is lost as far as the playoff goes. Playoffs go. Let's just focus on the guys we have. Hopefully, I mean the other thing too. Obviously, if you had a, an injury to to Jabari or Giannis, that was longer term and. You know, for the love of God, don't make us have an emergency podcast about mm. that soon. Um, obviously, Beasley is a guy you could plug in and say, okay, you know, he's he's going to go fill the gap as far as uh, as you know, instant offense type type player. So uh, he's kind of insurance. And again, if you're viewing him as you know the twelfth or thirteenth man who doesn't play most nights, whatever, you know, the, he's basically Tyler Ennis then, and maybe he's more useful than Tyler Ennis is in that regard. Uh, if you're viewing him as you know the eighth man or something like that then i'm probably less enthusiastic how do you view him because i lean towards the 12th or 13th um i i kind of think of him more as a guy that um i would say i would certainly hope that toledovich will be ahead of him in the rotation i think absolutely he should be just because his three-point shooting is going to be more valuable and he's if, not going to be worse defensively if Beasley gets rotation minutes over Mirza freaking Toledovich. <laughs> if that happens frank that we're, we're gonna have we're gonna have some very sad we're gonna we're gonna have it's gonna suspicious. be a five minute pot of me yelling and just yeah. cursing that's it we're gonna be we're gonna be permanently changing it to lockdown sadness i think at that point it would have to. um but uh but anyway, we'll see. Um, I, I could certainly see him being a guy who, who you know, DNPs a fair bit. Um, but uh, you know, at this point, I think it's just an open, an open <laughs> set of questions as far as what happens, and um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know. Do you get the feeling th- there were kind of more rumblings around the Bucks being active and not being done today? Do you feel like? I mean, what what would you peg? Let's say by opening night, what do you think are the odds that the Bucks make another trade, like percentage wise? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I'm feeling frisky tonight. Let's go sixty five percent. Okay, I was gonna say like over under would be fifty percent, um, and part of that is just because I've been, you know, thinking about Greg Monroe trade since December. And yeah. nothing has happened, so I'm kind of gun shy. Yeah, a I'm kind bit. of I'm off uh, Monroe. It's the same as when we recorded the last podcast. It's Henson, yeah. and I think there's there's pro there's moves. I would assume there's moves to be had there if they want to move. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think the the problem is the Bucks' weakness, especially with Middleton, is in a position that is now very much in demand. Right? We as we talked yeah. about last night, uh, the. Uh, three and D guy is is now uh, a commodity that is in much higher demand than uh, than guys who are you know big post guys like Greg Monroe for sure. And I don't know if if a rim rolling shot blocker like Henson more value so more valuable I'd say than than a Greg Monroe type. But um, I don't know what the oh, relative value. trade off would yeah. be. Yeah, and there are only there's only a finite number of those types of wings out there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can pull something off. But would not surprise me at all. Um, but again, as we said yesterday, hopefully you just hope it wouldn't be a reactionary move. Ooh, you didn't take the over under. Over under fifty percent. Well, I was pick. I was going to say fifty percent exactly. So oh, okay. Um, no, that's fine. Uh, I'll take a slight over. Fine. Yeah, there we go, Frank. I mean, they haven't been. They, we've been forced to report podcasts reacting to news for 
like three or four straight days now, so I'm just going to assume that they're going to give us <laughs> at least one. Just let us create our own damn content, yeah. Bucks. We, we can do it ourselves. We're fine. Um, all right. Actually, I, let's be honest. No. It, it was getting it <laughs> yeah. was it was getting kind of rough there. So yeah, uh, that's it. I'm cutting us off. That's enough okay, for Michael Beasley. Done. We went roughly 23, 24 minutes, which is more than Michael Beasley should see in any game uh, this upcoming season. <laughs> uh, so that's more than enough for Beasley. That's more than enough for us on Lockdown Bucks. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next time.